0: Good morning, church. Are we doing all right this morning? Excellent. Uh, well, is it just me, or does that college and young adult group sound really awesome? Just me. Yeah, if I was 18 to 29 years old, somebody somewhere in there, I would absolutely be there by there. I mean here this Wednesday night. 6:30, this Wednesday night, 18 to 29. Awesome. Great. Um, I'm Josh. I'm the high school ministry director, and there is no Scott Kegel this morning. No, Scott. I know. Kind of sad. I don't know where he's at. uh, But I have the top five theories of why he asked me to preach this morning. (laughs) Theory number one, he's in mourning. He just sold his viper, just needed some alone time to just cry, weep. It's a possibility. Theory number two, he just needed a break from using the phrase rabbit valley. Just needed a break. (laughs) Theory number three, he is at a doctor's appointment. He was worried he was starting to regrow some of his hair back, so I just want to make sure he nipped that in the bud right away. Yes. Theory number four: he is scared of female-dominated audiences. <laughs> With all the men off at the men's retreat, he was worried about the uh, yeah, all the women here today. He is actually at the men's retreat. In case you were wondering, that's where he is, so these are all false. Um, <laughs> theory number five: He got to the end of First John. And he was like, I don't have no idea how to close this up. Josh, part time high school ministry guy, will you wrap it up for us? So that's what we're going to do. Um, over the past few weeks and months, we've been in the book of 1 John. And I don't know if you guys have noticed the trend, but there's absolutely been a running theme throughout this letter. John is hoping to inspire confidence in believers that we can know for sure. If we're saved, we can know for sure. As I've been reading back through the book this week, uh, it definitely reminded me of a coach's speech to his team before a game. For those of you who don't know, I was a basketball guy growing up. I played basketball through high school. I got to play at a small NAI Division II college called Trinity International, is just north of Chicago. And I have heard a lot of pregame speeches in my day, a lot of pregame speeches, but there's one in particular that sticks out to me, and that was my senior year of college. It was the conference semifinal game, and we were going up to play against one of our rivals, a team that perennially always won the conference. Uh, they were really good, and we were heading on our way up, and the speech had two parts, and the first part was in, on the bus ride on the way up, We watched the movie Facing the Giants. The coach played that movie for us, which is an awesome movie, super inspiring. And then the second part of his speech was his pregame in the locker room speech. And I don't remember the exact specifics of what was said in that speech, but I remember leaving that speech fired up, focused, ready to go, and confident, and confident because of his because of his speech. I realized that I omitted this last service, so I wanted to let you guys know. We ended up winning that game, and we actually won the next game, which was the conference championship, and made it to the uh, national tournament, which was cool because our school hadn't made it there in a long time. So that was pretty neat. In case you were wondering, we won the game. Uh, we were very inspired. So throughout First John... He says this, this is how you can know you are saved. And he points to a number of things. And one of the recurring signs that he points to of a genuine believer is that a genuine believer will not continue on in, will not keep on, will not walk in sin. you might say, Josh, that's not necessarily that confidence building, but this is another theme that is recurring throughout the book is that you do not have to be perfect. You don't have to be perfect. Because when you mess up, Jesus goes to the Father in our defense. Pastor Scott spoke on kind of this healthy tension between grace and actions back on May 17th. If you're interested, you can go back and, and listen to that message again or check out your notes. It was a really, really well done and really well thought through. Um, he explained just this tension between grace and actions and how we're obviously not saved by our actions and what we do. However, our actions clearly point to our heart and what's going on inside. Last Mother's Day, when I spoke, uh, I, I mentioned in the sermon that I was going to marry Lindsay. And at the time, this was kind of groundbreaking because we weren't engaged yet at the time. And her parents were in the second service. And I remember Lindsay looking down the row at her mom and dad to see how they would react to me saying that we were going to get married someday. And little did she know is that I had actually already asked her dad for uh, permission. And so they weren't phased at all. And so she was kind of like, why? What? No, no response. Um, but I actually have some really, um, some really cool news for you guys this morning is Lindsay is pregnant. <laughs> okay, no, she hasn't missed that time of the month yet. She isn't nauseous. She hasn't had any hormone changes. She isn't feeling tired or have any weirdness to food. She doesn't have any bladder control issues. No positive test results. But it felt really good to say. Like, it felt awesome to tell you that she was, mar- uh, that she was pregnant, even though I assure you that she is not. Sorry for doing that. I know, evil, evil, rough. Sorry, I'm sorry. What were you guys' hearts doing during that? <laughs> Uh, so, no, she is not actually pregnant. But I guess if she was, there would absolutely be some signs pointing, pointing towards that fact. If she was indeed pregnant, there would absolutely be signs pointing towards the fact that she was. Why would you do that? Uh, John points out if you are saved, there will absolutely be signs that point to that fact. And those signs in your life, should inspire great confidence. Those signs should inspire great confidence. It's no surprise here that as he concludes his letter, that he's looking to inspire more confidence. We see it here even as he begins this last section. If you would, flip with me to 1 John chapter 5, verse 13. It says this, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. Once again, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. There's just something to knowing for sure. There's just something to knowing for sure. Come back with me on a journey back to your school days. Do you remember final exam day? And you went into final exam day. There was a huge difference between knowing that you had all the material down. I've got this down. I'm going to do well on this test. Versus going in, eh, I, don't, I don't know how this is going to go. There's a huge difference between those two. I remember I had a world civilization uh, professor at Trinity. And the way he ran his class was there was three tests throughout the year. And that was the entire grade. To make it even worse, there were those blue book Essay tests. Anybody know blue book essays? The worst. So the entire grade was based on these three essay tests. And the first test, I remember specifically, he gave us six topics. We had to prepare and memorize an essay on six topics, and then we would get to class and he would roll a dice to see which two we would actually be tested on. There was one topic out of the six that I was not very confident on. I didn't, it didn't click right away. And instead of, like, taking the time to research while I had time and figure it out, I decided it would be a good idea if I just prepared five and just hoped he didn't roll the other one. Uh, Not a good idea. I wouldn't recommend that. Um, But I remember sitting in that class that day as he was rolling the dice, very uncertain. It would have felt a whole lot better if I knew that I had information on all of the exams, on all of the essays. Uh, Sure enough, he rolled and I had to write on something that I had no idea about and I failed that test. Got a 50%, pretty sure. So I had to bust my butt and work uh, really hard to get back uh, the grade. Uh, But there's just something to knowing for sure. Um, John, his point here of his entire letter And we see it here in this verse that summarizes basically the entire book here. Verse 13 summarizes his point for the entire book. Um, That we may know beyond the shadow of a doubt, that you may be confident in your salvation. And here's why he's writing this conclusion. Once you are confident in your salvation, you can be confident of these three things. Let me pray for us and then we'll get into it. Father God, uh, I just ask that you would just meet us here in this time. Uh, Would you be great? Uh, Father, would I be very small? Uh, I pray that your spirit would just show up, that you would be working and moving, and you would speak to our hearts truth that you want us to hear, Father. Uh, We depend on you, and we're here to meet with you. Um, We love you, and we pray this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Um, So you can have confidence in three things. Number one, you can have confidence in prayer. Flip with me to verse 14. And this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we will have the requests that we have asked of him. If we ask anything according to his will. Wait, Josh, so we can ask for Anything, like anything, anything. You can ask for anything, but there's just one stipulation. Anything according to God's will. You might think, well, Josh, that's kind of dumb. Like, if it's according to God's will, it doesn't mean that I get anything that I want. So I can't, I can't have the things that I want because it has to be according to God's will. Um, Well, maybe think about it this way. So if He truly is the God of the universe. And he, to- and, he- and he truly knows what's best for you, do you really want to receive things that are outside of His will for you? Uh, I think this whole thing definitely comes down to a heart issue. Uh, John MacArthur describes the goal of prayer as this, to align our will with God's purposes. By the way, I think this is also the one and only step to receiving anything you ask from God in prayer. The one and only step from receiving anything you ask of God in prayer is this, to align our will with God's purposes. Uh, A cool example of the right heart in prayer uh, is probably the best example I could offer to you, and that's from Jesus himself. If you guys uh, look to Luke 22, and I'll have it up here on the screen for you as well. In Luke chapter 22, he's in the Garden of Gethsemane, and it's the night before he's about to be killed and sacrificed for us. And this is what he says. He asks God. He goes to him in prayer and asks this. In verse 42, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. In other words, Lord, this is my request. I'm asking you, please don't make me go through this. However, If that's what you want, if that's your will, I will absolutely do it. I trust you. I'm submitted to you. Jesus got it that prayer is less about submitting our requests to God and more about submitting to God. It's less about submitting our requests to God and more about submitting to God. It's less about uploading our desires to him, because let's be real, he already knows our desires, and it's more about downloading his desires for us. So how did it work out for Jesus? How did that work out? Well, as we know, he obviously didn't get what he asked. But what did he get? And I don't know if you've made this connection before. I didn't make this connection until this week. If you look at the very next verse, verse 43 says this, And there appeared to him an angel from heaven strengthening him. He did not get his request. He didn't get what he asked for, but he got strength. When we spend time with the Lord in genuine submission, in prayer, we get his strength, we get his peace, we get his heart for the situation. Um, I have a practical challenge for you guys this week, whether you choose to accept it or not is up to you. It's from Matthew chapter 5. What I want you to do is I want you to think of someone that you don't like. I want you to think of somebody that's made you angry or frustrated recently, somebody that's hurt you. And I don't want you to think about it too long. Okay, I know there's maybe some tension here in the room. You know, this might be good. Turn to the person next to you and say, it's not you, it's not you. I'm sorry if it is, because that's really awkward. Um, but I think this is good, okay, this is good. Um, okay, think of that person, not for too long. <laughs> I don't know what to say, awkward, awkward. I apologize. Ugh. Okay, so we're just, gonna, we're just gonna move on. My challenge for you this week is to pray for that person, pray for that person, okay? Um, And not pray, Father, I really hope that this person stops being such a terrible person. I pray that they would change. I pray that they would realize what they have done. That is not the prayer, um, and that is not what the the Lord Jesus commands us or asks us or challenges us to do in in Matthew chapter five. But instead, pray for them. Pray for their well-being, Pray for blessing on their lives. Pray for a closeness with the Lord. Pray for them this week. Um, In the past, when I've been convicted to pray for someone that I would consider an enemy, um, it's been crazy to see how the Lord softens and changes my heart um, and aligns my heart with his will and gives me understanding uh, a little bit more than what I would have just by myself for that person. Um, that's your challenge this week. You might want to write that one down in your notes. Just saying. Moving on. Verse 16. If anyone sees his brother committing a sin not leading to death, he shall ask and God will give him life to those who commit sins that do not lead to death. There is sin that leads to death. I do not say that one should pray for that. All wrongdoing is sin, but there is sin that does not lead to death. Um, Fun section of Scripture, and might actually be the real reason why Pastor Scott did not want to preach this one tonight. I'm just joking. Um, But definitely one of the more difficult passages in all the New Testament to, to wrap our heads around. What is the sin that leads to death? Now, there's a few schools of thought on this passage. And smarter people than me debate on both the type of death that John is referring to and the type of sin. The type of death, some scholars say, is a spiritual or eternal death, whereas others claim it's a literal physical death, a premature physical death as a direct result of sin. The type of sin is debated as well. Some say that it's one specific sin. It's not mentioned here specifically in the text, but John knows that his readers understand the specific sin that he's talking about. Others say it's not that one specific sin, but it's more of just a severe sin. And still others say that it's not a specific severe sin. It's a general attitude of complete disregard for the seriousness of our sin. Prolonged, unrepentant, repeated, grievous sin. Now, whatever John is saying, he is not saying that we cannot pray for those people committing that those sin. However, he is saying that there is no point in praying for them because they are literally past the point of prayer helping. So studying through, praying through, reading through this this week, this is what I've come to on on the matter. I don't know which one is right. I don't know what John was referring to. Um, But I also don't know if it matters in our response to praying for people in sin. Here are a couple of things that I do know. I know that God is both loving and just And he's completely loving and completely just at the same time. I know that he disciplines us when it's necessary to bring us back to himself. Uh, I know that I trust him. And I know that he is absolutely more than capable of making those decisions. um, And far more capable of it than I am. Um, I know it's not worth it for me to start playing judge in other people's lives and on other people's sin. I don't know about you guys, but I have enough like junk in my own heart with judging other believers um, without like trying to decide if I should pray for them because their sin is the one that leads to death. Um, But I also know this. I know it is absolutely amazing that the God of the universe would open his ear and hear us and give life to another believer because we interceded for him. Like that's amazing, Um, If you look there in verse 16, it says this, Ask, and God will give him life. That's an amazing truth. Um, I don't know if you guys have ever had one of these moments in life before when you've kind of just been at a loss for words with the Lord over somebody. Uh, I remember a couple of months ago, I was sitting up front in front of the, the high schoolers, and it was just one of those points in life where there was a handful of people in my close inner personal circle that were dealing with large moral sin issues, and it kind of all like it felt like the perfect storm. Um, felt overwhelmed, and I remember just kind of saying that to them. I also remember being before the Lord in prayer in these situations and just not knowing what to say, um, and finally coming to the point of just saying, God, like, I don't know. Like, I don't know what to pray for them. Um, but what I do ask is that you would do whatever it takes to just get those people to, on their knees before you at your feet. Um, whether you need to take away their health, their relationships, whatever you need to take away, would you take it? Would you break them down? Would you do whatever you need to do to get them here at your feet again? Um, I didn't know what to say uh, other than I knew that the situation was completely impossible without the Lord intervening and showing up. Um, And I knew that at that moment, like he himself, the God of the universe, was like the only thing that could heal and mend that broken situation. Um, And looking back, I see being in that spot and I see how God was aligning my will with his heart. And just taking away any of my preconceived, like, I want to pray for this person this way. He was just taking that away and aligning my my heart with his will. Um, And in that moment, I didn't have to make a determination about their sin, whether it led to death or not. The only thing I needed to do was to align my heart with God's, to trust him to either give life or not. Um. What does your heart look like in prayer? Is it selfish? Is it about your desires or what you think is best for any given situation? Or is it submissive? Is it trusting? Is it aligned with God's will? Because if it is, if it is those things, you can have bold confidence in prayer. You can have bold confidence in prayer. Number two, the second thing we can have confidence in is the confidence of protection. Look at verse 18. We know that everyone who has been born of God does not keep on sinning, but he who is born of God protects him, and the evil one does not touch him. Everyone born of God does not keep on, continue, walk in sin. And we heard that earlier, and that's been a running theme in the book. But a huge reason why that is true is because Jesus protects us. Um, I was never a fighter growing up, uh, although this past Thursday night we had bouncy boxing, which is the giant inflatable boxing room with the huge gloves. And I gave it to a couple of the high schoolers. It was great. Um, but I've never, been, I've never been a fighter. Uh, and my only memory of like any sort of fighting was back when I was like five or six years old and it was with a neighbor kid and I don't really remember like any of the details of the fight. I don't really remember like why it started or why the fight. fighting. I actually don't remember like being there. I can't like visualize it. Uh, I don't remember any punches being thrown. It's like a terrible fight story um, but it's the only thing I've got. So as an expert in fighting, uh, but I do have friends, like I have friends who have been in fights and I've seen movies with fighting in them. Um, so as an expert in fighting, so you know, that, you know those groups where if you have that one guy, and in movies, he's usually played by like Vin Diesel or The Rock, okay? And you got that one guy where as long as you have him, you're good. Like it doesn't matter what goes down, as long as you have that one guy, you're good. And there's always that little guy with the big mouth, and he starts talking and get everything going, and then the big guy comes in and just takes care of everything. Um, so we have that. We have that. Like, you have the ultimate big guy on your side. That being said, we still have to make the choice to remain under and utilize the big guy's protection. So the little guy, he can run off, right, into a dark alley and, and escape the protection of the big guy. Um, now, we can't get out of view of God. We, we can't. However, we can absolutely choose to refuse his help. We can absolutely refuse to choose his help. Choose to refuse his help. Nailed it. Um, a beautiful picture of this um, is in 1 Corinthians ten, thirteen, and I guarantee you, most of you have heard this verse before. It says this No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he, also, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Will we face temptation? Absolutely. But Jesus literally steps in the middle and provides a way out. But Josh, I've been caught in this sin thing. Like I've got this, this sin habit going on. I can't fight it. And like I don't even see a way out. Like I don't, I don't see a way out. It just happens. I don't see the way out. Um My question for you, do you think that getting out of that sin or breaking that sin habit aligns with God's will for you? And I would say absolutely it does. So then let's look back to the confidence confidence in prayer piece. That is a prayer that God will absolutely answer. Have confidence in prayer. Specifically ask for a way out, and I guarantee you will have one the next time that temptation arises. I can't guarantee neon signs. I can't guarantee a written invitation. I can't guarantee that it will be easy in the moment, but I guarantee there will be that way out. That's a prayer that God answers. I've absolutely seen it true in my life, absolutely 100%. When I've come to a place and I've been over my sin stuff and I ask for a way out, there is a way out the next time. And then it's my choice to take it or not to. We can have confidence in prayer We can have confidence of protection. Number three, we can have confidence of perception. That, in case you're wondering, is three Ps. Pastor John would be geeking out right now if he was here. That one is for you, Pastor John. Um, Last time I spoke, I came out, I don't know if you guys remember, I came out as Pastor Scott. I had the bald cap on, had the button-up short sleeve, had the giant fake watch, said some really good Pastor Scott, Uh, lines. Um, True story, today I almost came out as Pastor John. Uh, (laughs) It was going to be really good, but I didn't do it. I I decided against it for two reasons. One, he's not here, and it's always better to poke fun at somebody that's present, and it's a little less offensive. Uh, And number two, I just didn't have that much material. I started writing things down, and this is all I could come up with. Cry cry, talk about going to the gym with John Lopez, talk about my grandkids, and cry due to talking about said grandkids. That's all I could come up with, so I decided against it. Okay, I couldn't let him completely off the hook. Um, Love you, Pastor John. Um, Let's go ahead and look at verse 19. Confidence of perception. We know that we are from God. And the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding, so that we may know him who is true, and we are in him who is true, in his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God in eternal life. Now, in there, there's definitely some recap from what he's spoken about in the rest of the book leading up. But there's a new piece that sticks out, at least to me, and that's in verse 20. It says this: He has given us understanding so that we may know him. He gives us the ability to perceive things about himself. Um, I don't know if there's anybody else there, out there, that feels like I do. The longer that you have a relationship with the Lord, um, just the more and more truth he opens up uh, about himself and about his word. Uh, I've absolutely seen this true over the past few years uh, working in high school ministry. I've seen it in my life, just in my weekly, in the Word, preparing a message to speak to these students, seeing God reveal more of himself, more of his character, um, and just open up his Word to me has been pretty awesome. Uh, It's also really cool seeing it in the students. Um, Whether they're just in a new phase of life, there's a new situation, a new relationship, a new whatever it is, or maybe they've just matured and are ready for a new uh, spiritual truth. It's cool to see God unlock those and things clicking for students. Uh, It's amazing. It's unreal. And then this past week out on Agape Tour, it was really neat um, being uh, and getting to have some conversations with some of the guys at Teen Challenge and the East County Transitional Living Center and hearing some of their stories and how so many of them matched up that the moment they submitted, that the moment they obeyed, is when God just started opening up like, their minds and opening up truth, and it started to click for them. I'm, a, I'm not a big video game guy. Uh, you could ask the high schoolers that I am really, really, really terrible. Um, however, with my limited gaming knowledge, I understand that there are some games in which you need to unlock things, whether it be a, the next mission or the next level or the next pair of boots that you can wear. True story, we had a couple of the guys over the other day at my house. We were playing video games, and it took Jeremy about 15 minutes to decide on his outfit before he could go out there and shoot people. I don't get it, um, but apparently the next, the next boots are pretty important. Um, now, this isn't a perfect analogy. However, there is absolutely some truth to the fact that the more we submit and the more we align our hearts with God's will for us, the more truth he opens up. Um, and you can be absolutely confident of that. I don't know about you, but for me, it was really cool seeing how all these different things that we can be confident in, it's cool seeing how they all fit together. How we can be confident in prayer when we submit and align ourselves with God's will, how we can have confidence of protection that we're not on our own, that he provides a way out and that we can ask for a way out and he will grant that. Um, and how we can have confidence of perception that when we align ourselves with God's will, he gives us understanding and unlocks truth. And you think that that's the perfect like ending, we just wrapped it up, beautiful. Um, however, John had one last thing to say uh, and that's in verse 21 if you want to look there. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. And if it's good enough for John, it's good enough for me, even though at first glance it doesn't look like it quite fits and is a, a great tail end to this whole section. Uh, but I think that John knew exactly what he was doing when he ended with this last piece. Uh, and so I'm going to close the same way. He said, little children, keep yourselves from idols. Dear church, please keep yourself away from anything that will compete with God for first place in your life. Um, Whether it's a habit, uh, a hobby, that new toy, an activity, a job, a relationship, uh, or maybe it's just yourself, let's keep him first and not let anything take away from the confidence that we can have in knowing him. Let's pray. Father God, I just thank you for speaking so clearly to John. I thank you for the confidence that we can have after reading this letter, Father. Um, Father, I thank you for the confidence that we can have coming to you in prayer. The fact that you listen to us is amazing, Father. Help us to align our wills more and more with you. Help us to submit to you and to trust you, God. Um, You absolutely know what's best. Help us to come to you in prayer with the right heart. Father, thank you for just the confidence we can have of your protection. Um, Thank you for giving us a way out, Father. I pray that you would give us the way out even this week, God, that you would go before us and give us that way out when we choose it. Father, I thank you for just the confidence that we can have in understanding more about you. Thank you that you reveal yourself to us when we seek you. Um, Continue to speak to our hearts and move in us. Change us, Lord. Uh, We love you. We give everything that we are to you, and we give this week to you, Lord. Pray this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.